Namaste. I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in beautiful San Diego. Thank you so much for subscribing to this channel. Please make sure that you like the video you've just watched and consider making a contribution on our app or on our website. It's really easy to do. And thank you in advance for that support. It does make a difference. According to the research and the work of Dr. Sanjeev Chopra, forgiveness is one of the four elements scientifically connected to happiness. And in his TED talk that he gave a few years ago, he debunked the myth that money is the root of happiness. And he said, you know, you can earn a lot of money and get a lot of money and in short order, you know, you may use it to buy that big house or that car or something. And that may feel good for a while, but there tends to be in very short order going right back to whatever your previous level of happiness was. He calls that hedonic adaptation, that we all kind of have a certain level of happiness that we, that's our baseline. And that when we might get stuff that we think will make us happy, and maybe it does, it tends to for a short period of time. But that scientifically is, people have researched and studied what helps to lift up and sustain one's baseline of happiness, that there are four things that have been found to do that. And that they're particularly powerful when we are working with all four. If you were with us last week, you know that the first thing that the research showed was having meaningful relationships. Relationships with family or friends. Sometimes it's within our families and sometimes it's not. Sometimes we may feel a closer relationship, a deeper relationship with a friend. But someone that we can share authentically life's ups and downs, where we can really be ourselves, and where we can really be there for the other, that that's a critical component to happiness. But so too is the experience of forgiveness, both forgiveness of oneself and forgiveness of the other. Chopra says the ability to forgive frees you from the burdens of hate and other unhealthy emotions that can neg negatively impact your happiness quotient. Forgiveness is easy to talk about. We've all been well aware, I think, of the advantages of forgiving, but sometimes it's hard to do. In fact, a lot of times it can be hard to do. And I have often said that when we find that it's really difficult to forgive, that the starting point for us may need to be simply moving into the energy of, I want to want to forgive. Right? Right? I want to want to forgive. And there's nothing wrong with needing to start there. That's what will help us get to the place of really being able to experience and practice forgiveness of self and others, then let's start where we need to start. I want to remind us of some really inspiring examples of forgiveness and then bring it 
home to ourselves and some of the things that we can practice, some of the skills that we can put into play so that we can become a little more skillful in practicing forgiveness so that we can experience greater joy and happiness in our lives. I think of Nelson Mandela. I had the opportunity a number of years ago now to, when we were building a school in Malawi, Africa, we and several um, centers for spiritual living had joined together and raised money to build a school in Malawi, Africa. At the end of that trip, we got to spend a few days in safari and we got to experience some of the area of South Africa where Nelson Mandela had lived. And you may remember that he was a freedom fighter, trying to fight for the rights of black people in South Africa, the end of, ap of apartheid. And in 1990, after 27 years of being imprisoned, now just stop and think about that for a moment. It's easy to just roll that number off, right? But think of your last 27 years. It's a big chunk of time, right? That's a significant chunk of time. After 27 years, he was asked whether he had any resentment toward his captors. And this is what he said. I have no bitterness. I have no resentment. Resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. No more poison. No more poison. I don't know that I have it in me to have responded in that way that Nelson Mandela did, but I, what I do know is I have it in me to work on practicing forgiveness much closer to home, to those people or those situations in my life that cause me to feel like I have been wronged and perhaps cause me in my lower humanness to want to lash out to say, no, that bitterness does no one any good and certainly doesn't do me any good and certainly doesn't lend itself to being more joyful and, and happier. No more poison, Nelson Mandela. It reminds me of a situation in Mahatma Gandhi's life, and I, I bring to mind the movie that was done of Gandhi's life quite a number of years ago now. And it was just as India had finally gotten her independence from England. And just as that was happening, there was, as you might suspect, a tremendous amount of uprising in, in India among the various factions, the Hindus and the Muslims and the Sikhs, all vying for, for power. And there was a lot of fighting. And if you remember anything of Gandhi, Gandhi stood for what? He stood for peace. He wanted the, the English to leave India and to leave his friends. And the last thing I'm sure he wanted was to see his own countrymen fighting when they had, among themselves when they had finally been granted their freedom. And so it wasn't the first time he had done this. He decided too fast because he was so loved by the people of India. They so cared for him that they could transcend their differences out of their love and their respect for him. So he went on a fast and said he would not eat until they stopped fighting. And just about the point where he was near death, near death, there was a Hindu who came to him and tried to thrust a piece of bread in Gandhi's mouth. And he said to Gandhi, I'm going to go to hell because yesterday, this was a Hindu man, he said, yesterday, the Muslims came 
and they killed my son. And so I went and I found a Muslim boy, and I killed him in revenge. I am surely going to go to hell. You take this piece of bread. I do not want you to starve. And it said that Gandhi said to him, I know the way out of hell. Those words still burn in my mind. I know the way out of hell. And Gandhi said to this Hindu man, the way out of hell for you is you are to go and you are to find a Muslim boy the age of your son. And you are to bring him into your home. And you are to love him as if he were your son. And more than that, you are to raise him Muslim. I know the way out of hell. No more poison. No more poison. In our own Bible, you may recall the story of the prodigal son. A wealthy father. Two sons. The prodigal son decided he wanted his inheritance now. And so the father gave him his inheritance, and he went off and he spent his inheritance lavishly and in riotous living and in indulgences, and he spent all of it, so much so that he was forced to work as a servant in a pig keeper's farm, feeding the pigs. He was destitute, he had nothing, and he looked and he thought that the pigs ate better than he did, and he remembered his father. And he decided that he would go home to his father and beg forgiveness and work for his father instead. If you know the story, you know that what happened is just as a prodigal son is returning, the father sees the prodigal son, and instead of feeling angry over him, He is overjoyed that his son is returning home despite what his son has done. And he says to his other son, who stayed home and played by the rules, he says to his other son, we are going to make a party for your brother because he was lost and now he is found. He is home. No more poison. You may recall the words of Jesus on the cross, right? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Whether he literally said those words or not, those words are powerful instruction to us today. Have you ever been on the receiving end of something really awful? Really awful. Maybe having been betrayed by somebody. A woman, maybe you have been sexually assaulted or raped. I mean, I I don't want to paint too many ugly pictures here, but if you've ever been on the receiving end of something really, really difficult, really painful, sometimes remembering these kinds of powerful examples can help move us to the place where we want to want to forgive. Not to let the other off the hook, but to free ourselves from the toxicity of the bitterness and the resentment and the pain of what we have experienced. We want to stop paying twice for the harm that was done. Father, forgive them, 
They know not what they've done. I don't believe that anybody, anybody wakes up in the morning determined to be a jerk. I don't believe anybody wakes up determined to be mean and awful to another. But life can, can create situations in a person that cause them to think that they have no other path and no other choice and no other way. And I think that's what Jesus was getting at when he was saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. They know not what they're doing. I imagine that there are examples that come closer to home for you in your own life where you have either been the one to extend forgiveness. And you know what that can feel like, right? Not your head if you've, you've been there. Or you are a family member of someone who's experienced something horrific and you've watched them be able to move eventually to the place of being able to forgive. They take the lesson forward, but they leave the pain behind. And they emerge stronger. And they emerge with a greater compassion and a greater capacity for understanding and a greater commitment not to hurt another ever in any way at all. Anyone who's ever felt that they've been mistreated knows that the act of forgiving can be challenging, but ultimately it is always in our own best interest to forgive, and on the end of forgiving, or one of the rewards of forgiving, is this increased sense of well-being and happiness. Remember, the research has shown that there are four things, we'll get to three and four in the next two weeks, family and friends, people that we can really be real with, and we can ask for help when we need it and extend help when we need it. And the practice of forgiving. Karen Schwartz, who's the director of the Mood Disorders Adult Consultation Clinic at John Hopkins, says that making a conscious decision to let go of negative feelings, whether the person deserves it or not, that to me is a big part, whether the person deserves it or not, can lead to more than just increased happiness. Studies have found that forgiving can also lead to lowering the risk of heart attack, improving cholesterol levels, reducing blood pressure, anxiety, depression, and stress. That's a pretty significant list, would you not say? A and if, we, if you think about some of the diseases and health conditions that seem to be running rampant in our, in our country. Could it be that the doctor ought to be writing on the prescription pad, practice forgiving? At least write alongside anything else that he or she may write on that prescription pad. But practice forgiving. Practice, it's a lot easier to take a pill, right? And I don't hear me say, you know, drop your medications. I'm not here to, to say anything like that. But what I do know of human nature is it's a lot easier to try to reach for something that we think is going to be the, the magic pill, no pun intended, to make everything all right, than it is to do the deeper, consistent, daily practice work of things like mindfulness and forgiveness and understanding and all of that. 
So how do we get better at it? I just want to touch very quickly upon some insights I got from, from an article I had read. And it's and not an article, actually. It's an excer some excerpts from a book. The name of the book is Rewire Your Mind, Discover the Science and Practice of Mindfulness. The author of the book is Shauna Shapiro. And in a section of the book, she was writing about rewiring the mind and working at the practice of forgiveness. And what I really liked and had not quite heard before is that she says that forgiveness is not one skill but many. That really struck me. That forgiveness is not one skill but many is what she suggests. I've always thought of forgiveness as just forgiveness, right? But she says it's not one skill, it's really kind of a composite of many. And here are the five things she says it's a composite of. Acceptance, shifting perspectives, emotional regulation, compassion, and radical responsibility. So acceptance, we talk a lot about acceptance on this, in the spiritual practice, right? Acceptance, acceptance is not resignation. Acceptance is not denial. Acceptance is not resistance. Acceptance is being able to be with whatever it is that has happened or is happening in your life. To just be able to be with it as if you are an observer of it. The other skill that she says that is a part of forgiveness besides acceptance is shifting perspective. And that is the ability to get a little bit of distance, a little bit of, of distance from it, to shift our perspective, to be able to see it a little bit differently, to open up the way we view it, to take more of a wide angle approach. I think she's right on that that is an element of getting better at being able to practice forgiveness. She says emotional regulation is another piece of it. And in emotional regulation, she says that it's about being able to name what it is you are feeling. That sounds so simple, doesn't it? Remember the series I did a few months ago based on Brene Brown's, I think it's her most recent book, Atlas of the Heart, in which she has done research on the many different emotions that we are capable of and how the vast majority of people, I forget the statistics now, but they're really high, how the vast majority of people can only name four emotions. No wonder why we struggle. We can't name what it is we're really feeling. And when we can't name it, then it seems to own us. In being able to regulate our emotions, Shapiro suggests that when you can name it, it gives you the ability to not be the emotion, but to stand back from it. Does that make sense? To not be it, but to be able to stand back from it. It's not denying it, but it's not wallowing in it. The fourth skill, she says, is compassion. Very much like Jimmer was speaking about before he sang the song, I forgive me, I forgive you. At the heart of forgiveness, I think, is compassion. It is compassion that I think eventually breaks us open beyond the hurt of whatever we have experienced 
into the longing of something that is a healthy emotion. And compassion is that. Compassion is the ability to look at another alongside of empathy and feel what they are feeling and want to do something to help the hurt go away. And so oftentimes in forgiveness work, the compassion is also toward ourselves, right? To forgive ourselves. Have you ever made a mistake that you were really sorry about? Have you ever done anything, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, that you later felt so guilty for or you felt ashamed of, that you thought, how in the world could I have done that? I wasn't in my right mind. And if I could take those words back or that decision back or that action back, I would pull it right back now. I bet we all can relate to that. That's why Jesus said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone, right? We've all been there. Compassion helps us to become more skillful in forgiving. And then the last that she had said was radical responsibility, that we have to take responsibility and know that, that we may have to set up barriers, or not barriers, boundaries, that we need to know what is right for us and what is not. And that we are willing to take care of ourselves. And that helps us to be able to live with a forgiving heart toward ourselves and toward another. And to the extent that we are able to do that, the research seems to say that we will be happier. So the very thing that can feel like kind of heavy work, does forgiveness ever feel heavy to you? It does to me. The very thing that can feel like maybe it's some heavy work, on the other side of it, though, is a lightness. It's like we've been carrying this heavy weight, and we finally, what? Get to put it down. Get to put it down. I want to close with some words from The Forgiveness Project, and I encourage you to Google The Forgiveness Project. There are tons of exercises and examples there if you feel like there's some forgiveness work you're needing to do for yourself or for another that needs more than just a talk on a Sunday morning, you might want to take a look at the Forgiveness Project website. This is what they write. Forgiveness is most successful when you know how you feel, you know what was wrong about what happened, and you can share your experiences with a couple of trusted people. That's what spiritual community provides us. It really does. I know that we can feel loved and supported by family and friends. Spiritual community also plays that role. And so I hope that there was one or two ideas that, that you heard this morning, if not just the idea of being willing to look at who or what or where in your life do you need to practice forgiveness, that you're able to walk away with something that's helpful to you. If that's true, then I know I've done my job. Namaste.